You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. We're talking Twins baseball today on this Wednesday, December 6th. And joining us on the phone, our good friend, Rhett Bollinger from MLB.com, our Twins reporter. Rhett, thank you as always for the time. So, Rhett, let's start off by talking about uh, Shohei Otani. He is not going to be a Minnesota Twin in 2018, unfortunately, for the fans of the of the team. Uh, the Twins, along with 22 other teams in baseball, on his uh, thanks but no thanks list as uh, he's got it narrowed down to seven teams that he will play for in 2018. Again, the Twins are uh, not one of those. So, Rhett, on the scale of, of teams that thought they had a great chance of getting him and then at the lower end, teams that said, you know, he's he's a long shot at best, where would you put the Twins in terms of their aspirations and their hopefulness of, of getting this guy? Uh, the Twins at this point were kind of on the lower end. I don't think they had a real shot at him. And the one thing the front office is very creative, uh, you know, very smart guys leading the front office, and Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, I'm sure they came up with a very good uh, kind of plan, and they gave to, you know, Otani on why it could have been a fit in Minnesota. I think the Twins are willing to, you know, allow him to try to, you know, hit and pitch like he wants to do as a two-way player. I think the Twins would probably would have been trying to find a way to do that for him. But I think ultimately, I think geography kind of played a big role in this decision. Uh, clearly, you know, of the teams that he's finalist, only the Rangers and the Cubs aren't located on the West Coast. Um, it just seems like kind of the West Coast mentality kind of seems like it's what he wanted. Even of all the teams that he's narrowed down his finalist list to, all those clubs also train uh, even in Arizona for spring training. So really, in a sense, the geography kind of excluded the Twins from it. Um, they kind of realistically knew going into it they didn't have a, a big shot, but they knew they had the third most money they could offer him in terms of uh, – you know, the, the bonus money they had in their bonus pool uh, behind the Yankees and the Rangers. They had the third most money, which is probably, you know, not going to be that big of a factor, I don't think, for Otani, just because I think at this point uh, no team can really offer him that much money. Um, so I don't think that's going to be the biggest thing. I think for him it's going to be this kind of situation he feels more comfortable in. I think it, at this point just wasn't really ever going to be in Minnesota. So it wasn't a surprise, you know, disappointment because uh, such an intriguing player. Um, but I think at this point for him to come to Minnesota would have been a huge shock. Yeah, I mean, and like you touched on, uh, you know, Watani is an interesting guy because we're so conditioned nowadays to expecting guys to want the moon and the stars to, to, to play for, for their team and wanting the most money and the biggest market and the bright lights in big city. That That's not him. Uh, he wants a West Coast team. He wants to be as close uh, geographically to Japan as possible. And as far as the Rangers and Cubs, uh, I, I think the, the selling point for them was that they train in Arizona, and that was a big thing for him too. Uh, so, unfortunately, the Twins don't check those boxes, and he's not going to be a part of their team next year. But somebody that could be, uh, if the Twins have their way, Rhett, is uh, Hugh Darvish. And uh, the Twins have come right out and said that uh, – they're going hard after Darvish. Uh, I know there's a kind of a secondary market of pitchers with the, the Lance Lins and Alex Cobbs of the world, but it seems like, you know, Darvish and Arietta are the two A-listers in terms of free agent pitchers this year, and they're going hard after Darvish. They're making no bones about it. Uh, give us your take on their pursuit of Darvish, and could he be a Minnesota twin next year? Well, the front office definitely is looking for starting pitching, and they're not being shy about the fact they want to try to get a front-line type starter. Irvin Santana had a very good year last year, uh, as did Jose Barrios. Um, but they kind of lack a little bit of depth. I think they'd like to have a guy at the top of that rotation to join Santana. I think because their aspirations still uh, are to make the postseason. And I think they're looking forward, you know, in, in the future, not even just this season, but the season after that. You know, you kind of want to have a guy you can kind of have as kind of a veteran you can count on in a playoff situation, that kind of thing, uh, going forward. And, and Darvish and Arietta, the two A-listers for sure. Uh, Darvish is probably going to command the most money on the market and kind of has the benefit of not 
being tied uh, to compensation. That's the one thing that's going to be kind of interesting to see is that Jake Arrieta, as well as you know Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb, were offered the qualifying offers. So there's going to be draft pick compensation tied to those signings. Um, I still think signing Darvish might be a little bit of a surprise just because it's going to cost so much money for them. But at the same time, you know, with the new front office, you never know. I think kind of the old uh, front office has been very unlikely for someone like, you know, to sign a guy like Darvish. But maybe this front office feels like a guy like that's kind of the big move they need to make. Um, Darvish is definitely familiar. Or sorry, uh, the Twins GM, Dad Levine, is very familiar with Darvish from their time in Texas together. He was assistant GM when Darvish signed uh, with the Rangers from Japan. So there's certainly some, uh, you know, familiarity there as well. Um, but even if it's not Darvish, I think, you know, whether it's going to be, you know, a guy like a Cobb or a Lynn who might cost a draft pick or, or even an Arietta, I do think they want to get a guy they can count on, uh, you know, at least as a number one or number two type starter to go along with, you know, Santana and Barrios to top that rotation. They don't want to just get some mid-rotation or back-end guy uh, to slide in there. They want someone up top there uh, to join that rotation. And then from there, they'll kind of, you know, focus on their bullpen. They still need to find a closer and some bullpen help, and uh, as well as potentially a right-handed bat or a power bat to kind of come off the bench there and do some de-aging. But more than anything, I think the starting pitching is definitely their big priority. And Darvish is the, the big, you know, the big guy out there. So at least trying to see what, you know, what it would take to try to get him to go to Minnesota. Uh, it's still so early in the process. It seems like this offseason has been very slow in terms of the starting pitching market. Um, but maybe it'll heat up there uh, during the winter meetings next week. And, Rhett, this might be a stretch to suggest, but uh, as we all know, Darvish was downright abysmal in his two World Series starts. Uh, in any way, could that help the Twins? Where I, I'm not suggesting that, you know, that's going to decrease interest in other teams' part because he was so bad on the biggest stage in baseball. But at the same time, even the slightest bit, could it, could it drop the dollars down just slightly to, you know, to help the Twins out here where maybe he's not as hot a commodity now as he was before the World Series began? Well, it is a good thing for the Twins, you're right, in that sense. I do think that, you know, probably, if anything, it definitely didn't, you know, increase his value. And if he would have had a huge World Series and pitched, you know, two huge games there, uh, his value would have been probably even, certainly would have been much higher than it is now, too. And just kind of been the, the recent knock on him. But um, at the same time, uh, you know, two stars aren't going to, as much as the World Series, he still has a very good track record. I can't imagine it's going to probably bring it down too much. But even if it's just a little bit, you're right. I do think that, if anything, it does play in the Twins' favor a little bit because if the uh, you know, the dollars are a little bit lower or even interest is a little bit lower. Uh, the Twins could jump in there and make a big surprise. Um, but I don't think it'll have too, too much of an impact. Just as I said, it is only two starts. Obviously, huge, huge starts, very magnified starts. Um, but I think the body of work still is so strong. Um, and even the playoff starts before it were pretty solid uh, that I think that it'll still be the number one guy in the market for sure and will command a big deal. But, yeah, it could be a little bit less and maybe it could play in the Twins' favor. Yeah, and maybe he puts a clause on the contract that just says, do not pitch me against the Houston Astros ever again. And if he, <laughs> you know, if he has that, maybe a Cy Young's in his future because the Astros absolutely own that guy. And unfortunately, the Dodgers found that out the hard way uh, in the World Series. Uh, Rhett, shifting gears here, uh, the Twins are working on a deal to send uh, Byung-Ho Park back to his native uh, South Korea after a rather unproductive tenure as a major leaguer with the Twins. He only saw... Big league action back in 2016 in that time hit under 200 in just uh, 62 games at the big league level. And in terms of, uh, you know, disappointments and disappointing signings and guys that did not live up to the hype, uh, I would think that Mr. Park, not to bash on him, but that, this has got to rank pretty high on the list. Yeah, I think the one thing nice about it was there wasn't that much money tied up in it in a sense. You know, obviously they had to pay the posting fee, which was, you know, $12 million. But then his contract for four years was also only $12 million. So the risk wasn't that high in a sense. And it does sound like the way they're working on the deal is they're not going to pay for his next two years. 
which will free them up some money. So in a sense, it might even have just been a two-year, $6 million deal. So in that sense, it's a little bit more palatable. But you're right, though, in terms of just the expectations and the hopes uh, of him signing with the Twins, just because he was so good in Korea, you know, two-time MVP over there. They had 105 uh, combined home runs over the previous two seasons heading into Minnesota. Uh, was the best player over there at that time. He's seen some guys in Korea come over and have some success, you know. Chung Ho Gong had some success with the Pirates before his legal troubles. Um, and, and truthfully, Park was a much better player in Korea than Gong was. So uh, I think the expectations were kind of high to see if he could provide some power. There were always question marks, though, just because of the whole, you know, higher velocity in the major leagues, you know, better pitching in the major leagues. He was already 29 years old. There were some question marks, and, and clearly those ended up being the things that ended up kind of winning out was those question marks ended up winning out. But at the same time, I, I feel like in some ways things just didn't really go, you know, that well for him in a sense, you know. Got off to the slow start last year, or, you know, in 2016, I mean, when he got off to the slow start, and so did the team. The team was so bad to start that year out, you know, losing the first nine games. He was a part of that. I think it kind of got in his head a little bit. Started showing some signs, and then, you know, got down to the minor leagues and broke his wrist and, you know, ended his season. And then this past season, I think he thought he might have had a chance to make the roster at a great spring training. And I think when he didn't make it, it kind of hurt his confidence a little bit. Um, he never really had much of a, a season there at AAA. So, I think a lot of things just didn't work out in his favor. I think maybe in a different uh, market, maybe he could have found a way to succeed in the major leagues. It just, just it didn't really happen here. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, for his own sake, he goes back to Korea and, and continues to have a great career over there. He's a very good guy. He tried his best to learn English. He was a very good teammate. Just, you know, the offense never really came around the way the Twins wanted it to, uh, especially at AAA. You know, if he would have been mashing AAA, I think we would have saw him, you know, in the majors last year. It just never really quite happened. And he just kind of missed out being, you know, off the roster heading into the year. So, uh, he's still not sending Korea quite yet, but they're definitely working on it. I do think at this point the Twins will be able to get away from the, the contract too the next two years. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it just snowballs on you, and before you know it, it's it's out of control. Like you said, you've got the struggles. Uh, it gets in your head. You're in a completely new culture, new environment. Then the health issues with the broken wrist, and before you know it, uh, you're in over your head. And unfortunately, that's kind of what happened to Byung-Ho Park, and hopefully a uh, successful return his way as he goes back to his uh, native South Korea for 2018 and beyond. Rhett, to wrap up here, the winter meetings start on Sunday. Not a newsflash. We all know that. But we're taking a look back at some notable uh, wheelings and dealings made by the Twins in previous years. So the year that we're going to focus on, 1999 and the Rule 5 draft, which takes place towards the tail end of the winter meetings each and every year. And that year, Rhett, in 99, uh, the Twins picked up some no-name left-handed pitcher. Hmm. I don't know whatever became of him. So uh, whoever this guy was, uh, fill us in on what happened with him. <laughs> well, this guy is the guy we talked about recently because he's a guy that's uh, up for the Hall of Fame induction, <laughs> uh, you know, on the ballot for the first time. And Johan Santana, a two-time you know, Cy Young Award winner, uh, probably the best, you know, one of the best pitchers in the history of the Twins organization. Uh, it's amazing the fact that they were able to get him in the Rule 5 draft. But easily the you know, best pitcher ever taken in the Rule 5 draft, I think, historically. We've seen guys, you know, Roberto Clemente was a Roberto Clemente was a Rule Five draft pick. We've seen other guys have some good careers, but really, for him to be as good as he was is just uh, amazing. Such a pickup for the Twins, uh, you know, a prearranged draft deal with the Astros to, to be able to get him. Kept him on the roster the entire year. Uh, the next season, as kind of a reliever, uh, he ended up learning that changeup a little bit the next year, and from there, that changeup ended up being, you know, maybe one of the best pitches in baseball. Uh, maybe even ever, the way that changeup, he really leaned on that pitch so much. That's such a good pitcher. We talked about it before that, you know, that four year stretch he had, he was as dominant as anybody in the majors. And, you know, you always look at the way, you know, teams acquire players. And, you know, maybe you got, you get, you get a guy with waivers and it's kind of, you know, a good pickup and it's solid, but it's very, very rare that it's a rule five guy 
that kind of comes out of nowhere that really becomes that that dominant and one side multiple side young awards. So uh, you got to give the Twins front office at the time and Terry Ryan was GM and you know Mike Radcliffe was you know the uh, farm director at the time. You got to give them credit for being able to at least see something in Santana. I don't know. I'm sure they definitely never saw you know that much. I'm sure they probably saw something in Santana. Hey, maybe we find a lefty center in the future. At the time, you know. Just somebody, you know, lefty in the Rule 5, they always like taking somebody just in case, you know, always worth the risk in the Rule 5 draft because it only costs 25 grand. Um, and sure enough, that 25 grand is probably the best 25 grand the Twins have ever spent. And uh, Santana, you know, the rest of history, had a great career with the Twins. And, you know, even close to the day, though, the Twins, because of that, have always been uh, proponents of, of trying to take picks in the Rule 5 draft. You know, they've had success with guys like Ryan Presley, even Scott Diamond for a short time. They always seem to try to find somebody in the Rule 5 draft, just because I think they know that it's a, you know, an easy way to try to find some talent, and it definitely worked out, uh, and then some, when they took uh, Johan Santana in 1999. Yeah, I mean, for fans that may kind of poo-poo the Rule 5 draft and don't pay that much attention to it, uh, you know, just go back to, like we said, 1999, and I'm not saying there's going to be a Johan Santana <laughs> in the field every year, but this was the one year that, uh, you know, a, a Hall of Fame nominee Ended up there in the draft there for the taking, and the Twins are the lucky ones to get their hands on a guy that would win two Cy Youngs and uh, give himself consideration for the National Baseball Hall of Fame. A pretty good day back in 1999 for the Twins uh, during the Rule 5 draft. Rhett Bollinger, great stuff as always. Thank you for the time. We'll do it again soon. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Minnesota Twins.